Hello and welcome to the Ori Clark Audio Quick Guide, a straightforward conversation about a range of topics and issues commonly handled by Ori Clark experts for their clients. My name's Dominic Frisby and joining me on today's episode, a chartered accountant and partner at Ori Clark, Richard Ori, alongside chartered accountant, chartered tax advisor, and also a partner at Ori Clark, Emma Florentin Lee. And today's episode, today's hot topic is the UK's most unpopular tax, if what I read in the papers is true, inheritance tax. So, Emma, let's start with you. What What is inheritance tax in the UK? Inheritance tax covers a range of situations in the UK. Most people obviously associate it with when someone in their family or friends dies and you pay inheritance tax on the estate. There are other situations in the UK where it can come up. Then this is not the focus of today, um, unless we want to touch on it, but I think we're going to focus on inheritance tax on death. It is unpopular because it's 40%. Um, most people think they've worked their lives and paid tax on their income, and then they die, and then they're hit with tax again, um, which is obviously not very popular. There are a lot of things that can be done, um, and hopefully we'll touch on a few of those today. They introduced a residence no rate bound a few years ago, which, if you've got a residential property in your estate, does effectively increase your nil rate band to £500,000 per person. So they're doing a little bit to make it a bit more friendly to your average person, but the rates have stayed as they are for a long, long time, and there's been very little movement on other thresholds and rates. 40% is a lot of money, and it makes it very difficult. You know, if you say a typical home in London, say, or the suburbs, a typical family home might be one and a half, two million pounds, and that sounds like a lot of money, but that's just, you know, what a three or four bed house now costs. You know, 40% makes it very difficult for the descendants to hold on to the family home. That's the exact problem they were trying to solve with this residence nil rate band. But if you've got a couple, it only goes up to a million pounds. So if you're the value of your residential property is in excess of that, you are still going to be hit with some tax bill. Then it tapers away over two million pounds. So you're talking about the moderately wealthy this is going to um, impact. It's one of the highest taxes in the Western world on inheritance. And uh, it's very, very bad as far as I'm concerned as a, a disincentive to people to make wealth if they see that 40% disappears to the government. Is it lower, for example, in, in Europe? Oh, yes. Some countries it's down to sort of 10%. Some countries don't have it at all. And, to, and sometimes they don't have it at all, yes, exactly. So it's, it's England's very high on the scale. There is an argument that is made that inheritance tax is a good tax because if you inherit money, you are given an unfair advantage. The counter to that is it's a sort of instinct, a human instinct, to want to look after your offspring uh, with every, in any way that you can, even after you're gone. Do either of you have any thoughts on that? I think it's a bit of a toss-up between looking after your family when you're alive and handing things down the generations while you're still alive, that obviously reduces the assets you have on death. So some very good planning is to give away certain assets in your life and don't sit on them all till the end. I think there's an argument that sort of goes down to your political views about redistribution of wealth. And you can say if somebody's got vast amounts of money, it can be a good idea to tax it because otherwise uh, it just 
makes people wealthier and wealthier. The Duke of Westminster, for instance, you know, is so rich it doesn't really matter. But And is it good for his children or for anybody, for his whole estate to just stay intact? It's a very difficult political argument. Let's talk about inheritance tax planning and the importance of inheritance tax planning. What kind of things can we do, Emma? There's a whole range of things you can do. It obviously depends on the complexity of your estate and your wishes. And the first thing is to talk to your children and let them know what's there. The biggest bit of planning is to give it away, but that obviously isn't appropriate for every situation. And the parents in in the family need to keep some assets. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. They may not trust their children. They may have anxiety about not having income um, later in life. There's maybe care home issues. So it's, it's a real balancing act between giving away in life, which if you do it early enough can be totally outside of the scope of inheritance tax, and keeping the assets for your future life. Um, but obviously you've got the downside of um, having the 40% tax charge on death. So giving away is the biggest thing you can do to mitigate inheritance tax. And if my mum gives me, you know, X hundred pounds, does she need to write and tell the revenue that she's given me this? No, you don't need to record it anywhere. You should keep, well, she should keep a schedule of the gift she gives away because if she died within seven years of the gift, it does technically come back within the charge of inheritance tax, albeit it may be tapered. So you probably are not going to be paying tax at 40%. You should keep good records of these gifts, but as long as your mother was to live seven years, there'd be no inheritance tax implications of that gift at all. The interesting one is gifts out of income, though, is that you can give away any surplus income. So if you work out what your uh, gross income is, take the tax off it and then work out your daily normal expenditure. Whatever's left at the end of the year, you can give away if you make it part of your normal life. In other words, you give it away at birthdays, Christmas, you buy occasional gifts. It's a regular part of your life. You can give it away. And a lot of people don't, and they start accumulating wealth that really is not necessary, and they should give it away. But then they sometimes worry about all of these gifts, whether or not the children are going to get divorced. That's been a big stop on giving money away in my lifetime. Instead of farming families sitting down and saying, let's give away the land, let's move it away, they worry about divorce because they've seen it happen over the last 30, 40 years where there's a divorce and half the farm disappears. I mean, trusting kids' partners, I've had clients who, when the um, son marries, have said, yes, we'll help them buy a house, but you must have a mortgage from me. So they will charge the house with the gift, and it's not a gift, they just lend it. And the first time that happened, which was many years ago, I said, why? about five years later, there was a divorce. And I said, why did you do that? He said, I thought that it would happen, and I wanted to have the money back to give him the money to buy another house. So there are, there are things that make people reluctant to give. Competence with money, having money too young, worried about the partner. You know, they stop people giving, worrying about their own security. Yes, but getting a formal pattern of giving is so much more tax beneficial. You see clients coming in and saying, I'd like to buy a house for my daughter, and they give them a gift of £200,000, for example. If they died within seven years, that would come back into charge. But if they'd said, we're going to give her £10,000 a quarter and set up a direct debit, and we've got surplus income to support that level of payment... That would be outside of the scope of inheritance tax. So just explain why that is. Um, It's the gifts out of surplus income that Richard was talking about a a while ago. If you've got surplus income each year, you have to to set out your expenses, your income, your tax. You say at the end of the year, I have 
£50,000 left each year. Rather than adding that to your capital and investing it or buying future yeah. properties, you are allowed to give that away as long as it's a regular gift. So you have to have the intention of giving more than one away. Um, that then becomes a regular gift out of income and it's a lovely little exemption for inheritance tax. And how do you formalise that? Just have to have a little bit of paper saying, I intend to give you a gift every quarter, sign it, keep it with the will, and that's all you need to do. There is a part of the return, the revenue require, which actually sets out over the seven years what your income is, what your expenditure are, and how much you've given away. If you say you tick the boss, I've given yeah, it away. Yeah, you do need to keep quite detailed records. I've had one where I've had to reconstruct the records in the past for someone who has taken advantage of this. You have to show, I think the inheritance tax form goes into details, like what's your council tax, utility bills. There's a lot of information there, but as long as you can create that information, which most people will be able to do, then it's a very nice little exemption for inheritance tax. I think it's the principle that if you've earned it and you want to spend it in the year, why shouldn't you spend it on what you want, which may be giving presents to grandchildren, rather than going on holiday or buying a new car? It's your income. So two points here. Successful planning can significantly increase what your children or your inheritees receive. So it's important to plan well. And I speak as someone who had a, a loved one pass away last year. A properly drafted will with a trusted executor will take a huge admin burden off a grieving family. So it's really important to get your will clear and straight and with a good executor. Yes. I think the example of giving the gifts of surplus income is a good one where if you know that's something you intend to do, to keep the records as you go along and know your, let your executor know where those records can be found, takes a lot of the admin burden away from preparing the form. But if you die without a will or with a will that doesn't fit the circumstances, you can change it. If all the beneficiaries are over 18, they can sit down and decide what to do with the money. And if they agree, it's fine. Or if they specifically are a beneficiary over 18, for instance, a son, he can do a, a deed giving that money straight to his children. And that will count as a gift straight from the deceased. So you can vary the document to take advantage of reliefs that are there that were not necessarily brought in mind when the will was drafted. Or even if there's no will, you can still prepare a document varying the terms that are set down in statute for people who die without a will. So if you've got four kids, and they would be your beneficiaries, and presumably they're going to receive 25% each, they could then sit down after you've died, if they're all over 18, and reallocate that money? Yes. As long as they all agree? Well, they can agree individually with their share or as a group to vary the whole thing give it all to one child or give it all to charity. They could do all sorts of things, but it's a very flexible and people don't realise it. I've had one recently where I haven't ever acted for these people, but it's now three years. You have to do it within two and it's three years since the death and we can't vary the will, which would have been an advantage. So take advice is the argument. If something happens and there's a situation, you really need to sit down and take advice as a family. Yes, even if you've not taken the advice before drafting your will, there is still the option to take the advice 
after. And there's also the um, charity exemption. Yes, this is one that I've had um, involvement with. If you give more than 10% of your estate to charity, then you have a reduced rate of inheritance tax and you actually only pay 36% on the rest of your assets which are going to chargeable beneficiaries. I had a situation where before death you may not know what 10% of your estate is. Obviously, mm. they're all revalued to market value on the date of death. And in this situation, it came very close to 10%, but it wasn't quite, so we were able to vary the will to give further funds to charity, which took the percentage going to charity over 10%, and they got 36% inheritance tax on the rest of the estate, which worked out better for all the remaining beneficiaries, worked out better for the charity, not so good for HMRC. Simple IHT planning, you say here, Emma, is very simple to do. It just requires some forethought. We've obviously talked about the forethought, so it is simple to do. What's the most difficult part? I think it's starting the conversation in many instances is the most difficult part. People don't want to think about their demise within families. It may be an awkward topic to bring up. It forces some decisions on you that you might not want particularly want to make, doesn't it? And I think it makes you face up to how insecure you are about your finances. There are people who don't care and there are people who, if they haven't got a lot of money behind them, become insecure it's a very complicated relationship between sleeping nights and not sleeping nights. You could give it, I could give everything away. Would I be happy? No, I'd have to ask people for money. And I you know, couldn't do what I wanted to do. I think your attitude changes as well when you're working and earning an income um, compared to being retired. Yeah. Um, so you could draft a will when you're working and earning income and, and you may have a few feelings for, towards that and then you retire and suddenly your outlook changes and you realise that you may not be earning much income anymore and you're more reliant on that capital, you don't want to give it away. And you'll be er probably eroding your capital if you have need of care and all those things. And people worry about being able to pay for their own care home and the rest of it. When is the best time to do your will, make your IHT preparations? A will all the time. And I'd add a power of attorney to it, or the enduring ones as well. But it's much simpler when somebody has a will. Even if it's just I leave everything to my wife or my children, you know, a simple will. It's, having a will makes life easier for everybody. Not having one is a, a more complicated because the government set out where the money goes, whether it goes to your parents or sister or whatever if you die. And so if you're going to plan, it depends on your wealth. I think if, you, if you're worth substantial sums, even when you're quite young, then you need to think about it. And you probably won't want to bother. This is the intriguing thing. But once you've got children and you've got responsibilities, then you really ought to start thinking about it. Because there's other things you put down in a will, isn't there? When you've had children, you talk about guardianship and, and also... Um on event of marriage, any previous will is effectively revoked. You would have to write a new will once you became married. So that's something that a lot of people don't realise. How long does it take? To write a will depends on how complicated the people are and how, how much you have to explain to them. And some people also become too obsessed, I would say, that they write a will and they think about it and then they have about 15 drafts. And they keep thinking and changing. And, you, and they're trying to actually legislate for the future too far. You know, they try to see, well, what happens if, you know, my granddaughter marries the wrong sort of guy and, and should I leave it to her children? And, you know, they make it overcomplicated at times, far too overcomplicated, and create all sorts of actually barriers to sorting out the estate. 
because you too many um, trusts for minor children that don't aren't yet born can be a nightmare because trying to change a will like that is really difficult. I think the advice would be write a will suitable to your circumstances at the time, but make sure you update it for anything that changes. And give as much away as you can as early as you can. Give as much away as you can as early as you can. While still feeling comfortable. <laughs> well, the other thing you could do is uh, buy assets which are considered business property. And there's a big market in structured products that cover that situation. And people buy who are pretty rich buy farms and things, but they have to keep them for two years, uh, which is uh, and farm them for two years. If they just invest, they have to keep them for seven. It does need to be actively farmed, as Richard mentioned. If they don't do it themselves, they've got to rent it to someone who is actively farming. As if they're buying it purely for developmental purposes, they they don't get the agricultural property relief. A lot of people, if they're in business, it's not so silly for them to own their own factory or own their own uh, property that their business is operating in or getting the company to buy it. Because uh, there are reliefs there, either 50 or 100%, again, to continue the business. Yeah, there's some quite... Um, clever little tax planning that you can do with that as well, especially if you've got um, a little a part of your business that isn't just purely trading. You might have some investment business in there. Making sure it's in the right subsidiary or effectively spread across the group can make a big difference the amount of relief you get on death. So that's worth having conversations if you find yourself in that situation. And it's worth having conversations with people who have got what I would call uh, businesses which are not... Um, Easy to claim relief on. Holiday lets are very difficult to claim relief on. There's a lot of case law. Um, but you, some people might be able to, if they knew how much work they had to do, uh, to make it a business which is acceptable to the revenue. But the revenue are very much tougher than they used to be. They really cottoned on to inheritance tax. It was a very re relaxed tax. And... Uh, they didn't really ask a lot of questions. People always used to just report personal effects, £200 or something, or £2,000, and hardly anybody ever asked a question about that sort of thing. And now it's, where's your insurance policy? What are all these assets you haven't put on the list? And that's the other question. The executives have got to be prepared to fill the form up. So that's a grade, graded event in my mind, because if you have a bank, usually they require every single item anywhere valued and put on the list, you know, and they'll make, they enjoy it because they get a percentage fee. So the more they can put on your return, the better, uh, which is not a good place to be. You do not want percentage fees from an executor. If you get a professional executor, such as a bank, they historically have charged on percentages of the value of the estate, and they will come and close the house if, if they can, have a complete inventory of every piece of wood and whatever, because the more they put down, the more they earn. It's not a good place to be in my book. Okay, so don't use professional executors. Well, you can use professional executors that you trust and you know quite a lot about. Most of them will charge hourly rates now. It's expensive, uh, and you can say it's better not... Uh, if you've got a, a family who are able, or have, are at least a few of them numerate or worldly-wise, then I have no problem with them being the executors, but then employ a professional, because it's a minefield. But it, you employ the professional, which means you can remove them. Whereas if they become an executor or trustee, it can be quite difficult. You can't really remove a trustee in a hurry normally under a will. 
It's quite a tricky little game. I would say it's definitely worth getting a professional involved, even if they're not technically an executor, for example, that charity relief I was talking about earlier. I'd be amazed if uh, anyone on the high street knew about that. You need to have a professional to spot these things because with the deeds of variation, you can make some quite significant tax savings if you get them involved at the right point. It's very much get them involved early, get people who know what they're doing and or leave notes for your family to say, go and talk to these people. You know, they understand my affairs, employ them to do it. But they are then in control. It's probably a very strange thing to say, having, you know, involvement with solicitors and accountants. But um, if you know an estate really well and you've worked with somebody for 50 years and they trust you, that's fine. But just appointing somebody in the high street who you've never met is not a good move, in my mind, because they know nothing. And you'll probably get one of their partners who knows nothing, who has no real interest in, uh, what shall I say, care. He will do a job that's professionally okay, but there'll be no emotion, no understanding of the family. The sort of classic I had was a client whose family had found, been founders of the Hong Kong and Shanghai Bank and had original shares. And the bank was appointed as an executive, and within two months they sold them. So that we've got to diversify the portfolio. That upset the family beyond measure because it was their, you know, they were original founder shares. And they just said, oh, we can't take the risk. Didn't ask the family, just did it. Hmm. Right. I think you've got the point, dear listener. Preparation, organisation. Don't put off making the decision. Talk to somebody who knows your affairs and sort it out. Richard Ory. Emma Florentin Lee, thank you very much. And if you want to find out more about anything we've just been talking about, you can find more information in the resource library section at auriclark.com. And if you can't find what you need, then send us an email at contact at auriclark.com and one of our experts will get back to you and tell you everything you need to know. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Until then, cheerio. Cheerio.